Good morning, and welcome to episode 129 of Relics of Ore. I am Grybok, hosting once again, and joining me is Kate. How's it going? Uh, it is going in the direction that I do not have technical difficulties, and am slightly less sick than the rest of the week. You're not supposed to say that you don't have technical difficulties, because that's when you get technical difficulties. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm on a different connection now, so I've just... I, I made the appropriate offerings, I fed it internet food, I gave it gifts. Made the proper know. sacrifices to RNGesus. Yeah, exactly. It mega bit off more than it could chew. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, since he's already been talking a bit, I'm also joined by Evie. How are you doing this morning? Hi, I've been awake for 12 hours already, so I'm doing great. That's impressive, because it is morning time at the time it, of this it, recording. It's noon. So, yeah, for some of us, all those lame East Coasters. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> yeah. None of us are East Coasters except for Evie. I just I I just want to say that Georgia has an overwhelming majority of community contributors for Guild Wars 2. So, I have no idea what you're talking about. It seems yeah, it's like it's like uh Georgia and Arizona are like the hotbeds. And with that awkward silence, I'm going to also introduce Raven once again joining us. How are you doing this morning, sir? Hey guys, I'm doing well. I can't complain, you know, uh, snow has not fallen yet in Alaska, so uh, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's September. I mean... Is that like, is that something that's happening imminently for you? Oh, it could happen at any time, and no one would be surprised. It's like winter half the year. Yeah, it is. It's like nine months of this the year. This is definitely the cold half of the year. It's starting to get there, tell, rather. Tell yep. that September, to the 100% October. humidity outside my door. I refuse, because then I would have to actually <laughs> be outside your door. <laughs> Unless the humidity can get on Skype, then that'd be interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can that'd tell be the this... day when humidity can get on Skype. Yeah, yeah, I can tell this is going to be a fresh podcast. Because the water we're, is we're, right uh... in the air. Uh, yep. Anyway, introductions aside, let's jump right into the rotating cog. <sighs> no patch Tuesdays. Give me something to kill already. You know what they say, a patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. <laughs> so, um, the, we've gotten several more announcements from uh, for the feature pack. They've been doing, what, three a week on average? Does that about, sound yeah. right? Yes. Okay. Um... So, I guess the first one we're going to talk about is um, some of the stuff with the new hero panel. They've made adjustments to the hero panel where you look at your equipment and all that stuff, and they've added a couple features. Uh, Kate, would you like to talk about that? Uh, I suppose the long and short of it is they've added miniatures and finishers both as sort of a customization option for your character rather than an item that you have and have to equip. Uh, so the one, well, finishers are mostly just going in your thing as a, a tab instead of being in the other tab in the hero panel. I don't think much is changing for them. The, are, you, yeah? Are we going to be seeing, uh, are we going to be gaining an inventory slot? Is it going to be, you know, just somewhere now and not in our inventory? Um, for, for miniatures or finishers? Finishers are going to, they were not in a slot before. You just kind mm. of decided which one you wanted to equip. And that's going to be the same. Uh, for miniatures, there will actually be a slot where you can choose to display them. 
So I might be a few patches behind. Then how come I have miniatures, Halloween, not miniatures, Halloween finishers in my inventory? You would have to use those. Okay. Those are temporary. But also, yeah, I don't know how those are going to quite work with it. But I I think the most relevant feature, well, maybe not the most relevant, but one of the things that's nice about this, especially for finishers, is that it actually will show you a preview of the finisher, whether or not you have it um, off to the right where your character is. Um, well, that'll be fun to go through and look at. Right, and so you don't have to just like go Dolphy a video of it. You can just click it which and nice watch what it looks like. Which is nice, because I feel they'll probably sell more finishers that way, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's it's symbiotic, you know? Like, the, it'll help them sell more, and it'll be more useful for us. So, And it looks like you can preview the miniatures as well in your hero window. It just puts them down next to you. And you can preview them you. before you bind them to your account. Right. Yeah, that is... So the way miniatures work is going to be changing sort of functionally as well. Uh, They'll become an account unlock instead of just an item you have in your inventory, and that'll go into a collection panel similar to your your armor skins or whatever. But that sort of changes the way, you know, so any character can choose to equip that mini if you have one of them unlocked. But then... uh, I've seen a lot of discussion about this because I know uh, a few people who collect minis, and that's going to change the market for minis. And also, on a side note, I would not be surprised if this made it where minis no longer activate the runes of the ranger. So, that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's funny. Maybe maybe this is what we can do with that birthday NPC, is turn in all the dozens and dozens of duplicate mini-queen Jennas <laughs> that we have, and get something oh, else out of Balthazar? I've got like eight or nine of those guys, too. Oh, Evie. Really? Really? Eight or nine? <laughs> yes. That, that's all? Evie has like I've two thrown stacks. away two stacks of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How many jewelry boxes have you bought? A lot of them. A lot of them. And like... I I was very meticulous because this was back when I wanted to do a spreadsheet of the jewelry boxes to like show percentages and stuff. And for me, the priests were coming out at least 70% of the time. I want that problem with precursors. Yeah, that'd be a nice problem to have with precursors. It'd be an amazing problem to have with precursors, which have caused so much drama as of late. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like they always cause drama, but it seems like... Precursors are that, oh, pardon me, are that one sticking point for people. It's that it's as, as we've been playing more and more, and more of us are getting to the end game and realizing that sort of legendaries and precursors are sort of the end game. It just gets you know, it's it's ever present in people's minds. But speaking of the end game and how this game's end game is largely about collections, we are also getting collections achievements. Anybody here interested in talking about that, or should I? Um, so there's going to be these collections in your achievement panel, and they're going to have certain skins and items tied to them. When you finish them, you get some sort of reward that they're really vague about, so I'm pretty much convinced that it's useless. Um, and yeah, achievement points. Yeah, it. Um, we, we've several times we've talked about the gotta catch them all type of mentality, and how... I you know in theory at least this game is sort of more about collecting things for yourself rather than increasing your power and it feels like this would have been a really good 
sort of guideline or stepping stone, or not stepping stone, but just like a, a good way to sort of guide people's unbridled ambition to collect everything, I guess, and give them sort of goals to work towards with rewards. Um, and so there's definitely a certain a certain demographic that I think it's just going to appeal to both the collectors and the achievement point hunters. And I think it's good to have more achievement points in there because, I mean, I'm nowhere as near hitting the cap for daily achievements, but I'm kind of annoyed that that's going to happen because, you know, if I'm still playing this game in several years, I want to be able to get those points. And, you know, they said on the website they want to do this so people didn't feel like they had to compete, but I don't care. I'm not competing with someone. I just want my points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a lot of points off of dailies and monthlies, so at like at a certain point, I feel like it is fair to cut them off. But to me, it... It's not going to be a huge impact for me because I've sort of gotten to the point where I've dressed all my characters up as pretty as I want, and I just don't... I'm not really going to collect things just for achievement points, but it's a really it's a really cool feature that I just... I wish was in a little bit earlier, and I think a lot of people are, are definitely going to I think there's a lot it. of features, like the wallet, and there's other stuff. It just seems like it should have been there before. Yeah, but I mean, the wallet... When the wallet came out, I actively benefited from that, like... That was huge for me, just not having to have all yeah. these token stacks and being able to globally access your gold. I mean, the wallet was huge quality of life for every player, no matter what your style was, unless you were PvP, I guess, only. But Even if you were PvP, it was a huge thing. Yeah, But it's something that I think should have been there at launch, really. Oh, sure, sure, but... Yeah. But that could be, like, said for basically everything that they've put out. Yeah quality of life wise yeah it's i think it's more i guess my point more on this one being more a would have been better at launch is that it's by by the nature of it sort of being a goal but a goal that you could have been working on all along but not necessarily were if you put it out and now you might not care about it right yes that's exactly, exactly. yeah so where, whereas with the wallet like yeah everybody would have loved the wallet at launch but we still love the wallet <laughs> yes and there seems like there's other things like that that I can't, you know, put my finger on right now, but it seems like there's other achievements, things that have come out that it's like, oh, I would have cared about this now, but it's a little late. Yeah. It, I mean, they're really, they're really polishing up their, their new player experience, as it were, which, you know, mild tinfoil hat seems like they're really trying to push for something that will get them a lot of new players. I wonder what that could be. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um. It'll be interesting. It's interesting to see. I mean, I I can't really complain about any of these features because I know that some people will love, you know, pretty much all of them. I think it's sort of a I don't know. It it does address one of the one of the issues. Well, I don't know if it addresses, but uh, I will elaborate so I don't sound like I'm making a fool of myself. So if you're not familiar with the way some of these are going to work, some of them are going to be very straightforward, like just collecting all of the exotic armor skins that you can craft, right? So like the Draconic, the Exalted, whatever. Very simple, very straightforward. And then there's going to be other stuff like a spoon collection, which is a hidden one that's only triggered by talking to an NPC, and then you start going all over the world to find spoons, which is actually, bizarrely, one of the things that I had been wondering about last week is like, oh gosh darn, I really just wish I could use these spoons. Because I think one of the coolest things about Guild Wars 2 is that when you finish an event, you get the reward vendor for Karma, and they have all these neat little trinkets and stuff. But one of the most disappointing things for me is that those are completely useless to you 99% of the time. So I like that there will be an excuse to go out and buy those items. Not only is it a karma sink, but it's a 
a reason to look at the reward vendors, a reason to complete hearts and stuff. So. And for those of you that are wondering how many karma spoons they are, that I have found there are 25. There's a lot game. of spoons. I am passionate about spoons. I'm glad Arena is passionate about spoons, too. Spoon collecting end game <laughs> confirmed. I'll allow it. Yeah, that's fair. So I feel like that's about all there is to say about that. It's kind of interesting. A lot of people are probably going to like it, and then there's probably a lot of people that don't really care. care. But that's okay. Well, all I can think about when you're talking about collecting spoons is how many times I stole spoons off tables when I played Morrowind or any of the Elder Scrolls games. <laughs> <laughs> It happened to me too, but not on purpose. Uh huh. Sure. Well, I played, I, I played Skyrim in third person, so I'd acquire things that I didn't even realize because the camera was awful. I'd be like, "I'm gonna steal this," and then I'd open my bag and I'd be like, "How did 16 baskets get like, in there? Where am I?" You're even like a subconscious these? kleptomaniac. Like, I swear, officer, I don't know where think... these baskets came from. My hands just have a mind of their own. No, no. Elder Scrolls games brings out the klepto in everyone. What's really nice is when you get one of the kleptomania mods. That basically just takes everything you walk by. So you like go into a store instantly overweight, and you, and and you like take two steps, and you're instantly overweight. Do you become like a black hole, and it just everything around you sucks in, goes into your bag. I, I guess so. I mean, it's a joke mod, obviously. But like, wow, that's really funny. <laughs> so you'd have plenty of stuff to sell on the trading post, which is also an update. Is that correct? If you use this yes. mod in Guild Wars, it existed. I don't know where I was going. Bad That's segue. A, no, it was a good segue, but you lost it. Continue, though. Why don't you start talking about the trading post overhaul? So there is a trading post overhaul, and it looks like we're going to be able to filter things a lot better than we used to be able to. And I'm hoping that we can actually you know, buy back pieces. But are there any back pieces that you can buy off the trading post, or are they all account-bound? I'm not sure on that. There are definitely. There's skins you can buy, but not actual back pieces. That's not true. There okay. are totally back pieces oh, that's not you true. can get that are, like, uh, spinal. Oh, they're rare, Oh, though. yeah. Well, still, you can get a back piece. It's better than having no back piece. <laughs> that's arguable. <laughs> I'd rather have no back piece than, like, Magi's rare. I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> Stats are stats, man. So, yeah, stats are stats. But, because, yeah, that's something that I get. I mean, I haven't made it as far. I'm not working on a legendary. I'm not in that end game that a lot of other people are at. And I think even my main doesn't have a proper back piece. And I'm like, oh, if there was a filter so I could look at them on the train post, maybe I could buy myself a good back piece. So Yeah, I think the most exciting filter is filter by profession. Because not only does that filter by your weight for armor, so if you're, say, a necromancer, it will only show you light armors. It also filters by the weapons that are accessible by your profession, so you won't see greatswords or hammers on your uh, necromancer because they can't use them. Or or rifles and preview the predator on your thief and just be like why can't I <laughs> yeah but that's that's one of those features that even i would have settled even for just a by weight filter for armor because that was always one of my biggest frustrations with the previous one was that you know you'd, you'd look for a berserker's chest piece and you'd get you know all of the you'd get all of them for all of the classes and You'd have to look through them, and yeah, I think that's a... Which would be really annoying if you bought the wrong one, which I don't think that's happened to me, but I've been afraid that it would it's, happen to It's me. definitely happened to me before, and because because of that, sometimes... Uh, well, and the, the other thing is that you can filter by specific attributes, so because not all sets that have the quote-unquote berserker stats are actually called berserkers in their name, there's actually, yeah. quite, like there's actually quite a few... Um, 
items that have those same stats, but you'd have to know what the item was called or just be searching sort of all of one type of item for a given level and rarity to find out that they had the same ones. And a big a big one that I can think of is the rings, I believe. There's Berserker rings, but then there's also Ruby or Chalcom rings, which have the same stats. And the Berserker rings cost like 15 gold, and the Ruby or Chalcom ones cost like a couple. Um, and so, and that's just because they drop, right? I never understood the mass the mass difference in the price of those. The berserker rings drop, and they're actually kind of rare, I think. Yeah, and the ruby ones are crafted, so they're just in. Yeah, but supply. are they the same stats, or the berserker rings actually better? I never understood why there was they're such the a same stats. It's just the actual items themselves have different rarities. It would not surprise me if there's... Because I've actually made this mistake before because I just sort of spaced out. If people were just going through buying a Berserker set of gear and they just type Berserker into the um, searcher and put it, and then just change the filter for each piece of equipment. So you go, okay, swords, and then you get a Berserker sword. And then you go, okay, armor, and you get Berserker's armor. And then you go rings. So this filter may even... And it would show up... Yeah, this filter may even... There's going to be a huge market shift after yes. the yeah. filters come out. That's what I was Yeah, going for. definitely. Yeah, because with rings, you'd go Berserkers, and it would only show you the Berserker ring, which was hugely expensive because it was rare. And if you didn't know or remember to just type in, you know, Ruby, Ruby or Chalcom, then, you know, you might just go, oh, I guess Berserker rings are real expensive. Um, yeah, so being able to search by stat types instead of having to know the names of items... Uh, is awesome too. It's really nice. Um, I actually think <clears throat> I'm actually most excited about this training post overhaul. I think of all the announcements, it's the one that impacts me the most. I would say. I'm I'm kind of mad about everything. Not gonna lie, because I mean it's nice, but it's all quality of life stuff. However, the trading post is a complete rework of the in-game browser and how that works. And that means that there could be a lot of other stuff coming in the future that will work very well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. How about how about you Spirit? How do you feel about this? Uh, I don't know. I think the the transparency is good cuz sometimes I forget about listing fees and stuff as uh so the increased transparency that way will be better. Um other than that, I guess speed improvements. I'm I'm not a trading post. I sell the things I get. That's about it. It's not I'm not a good trading post I see. person. And you, Robin, is this is this a good update for you or kind of a meh? Well, on the trading post specifically, that is. I think it's kind of a quality of life. I like it. I'm excited that it'll speed up because I do sell a lot of stuff. I don't you know do any like day trading on it, but if I wanted to, it'd make it easier. Yeah. I don't know. I've been on. So it's, I mean, it's just quality of life for me. It's not, you know, I'm not super yeah, excited. I've, I've been on both ends of it. I've done, I've done sort of day trading and um, investment stuff, and then just in general buying and selling a bunch of random stuff. And I have to say though, I really hope that that error attempting to sell thing is going the like bot prevention thing. I hope that they like fix that because that is the only annoying. thing that like the only thing that we can hope for is that it is messaged more nicely but the anti-bot sell sell limits are not going away they've confirmed that like there are still sell limits per time because of bots which is you know i don't know it'd be nice if they showed it to you in a visual way instead of just getting an error until you get it through 
but we're definitely not we're definitely not getting rid of that. But uh, I don't know if you guys watched Points of Interest, but they showed a special mode that apparently is going to actually be in called I'm Evan Nashblade mode, which if you type that into the search filter puts the trading post into a more sort of compact UI that is more information dense as or it's easier to get more listings on the page because it condenses a bunch of the information that you would normally see right next to it into a hover over. So if you know what you're looking for and don't need to read it, it's basically just a list of names, um, which I actually thought was really funny. <laughs> like it, it might be nice if you don't have to type that, but I think it's a really awesome like thing for power traders. Yeah. And it's a good way... This is going to sound kind of stupid. It's a good way to hide it from the Yeah, groups. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like, why is my trading post so not useful and hard Like, hard to tell what I'm looking at? Well, because you're not Evan Nashblade, even though you said you were. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Apparently it was like a last-minute thing that they added sort of in QA just as a, because they s- sort of stumbled on an easy way to make it work, and I guess it's apparently going live, so... That's kind of awesome. I'll have to try it just to see it. Is there? Can I type in "I am not Evan Nashblade" when I'm inevitably <laughs> wrong? And it when you want work to not me? be Evan Nashblade anymore, <laughs> exactly. I would wager that it resets every time you open the trading post. Um, gotcha. But I don't know that for certain. <laughs> I would assume it works that way too. And this goes back to like this is a completely yeah. new system. We like have no idea what they're going to pull out of it. Yeah, uh, I think that shaman already figured out how to talk to the new API. Um, which, oh, that is worth noting. It is going to break every API that's currently using the trade, or every every site that is currently using the trading post API. I was curious about that. So Guild Wars 2 Spidey is going to need to do an overhaul. It may not work yeah, after this it, happens. Um, but it will still be able to do it. They'll just need to change their internal coding. And I believe <clears> that they said on points of interest that they've already reached out to a few of the major sites that currently use the trading post API. So hopefully there is little to no downtime with that but <clears throat> if you're working on a little pet project you know things are going to change but that's good to know that they're at least reaching out to the people that you know are more visible in that so that can continue to help people and you know yeah definitely it's 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 really good that they are clearly being thoughtful about the fact that they're you know breaking stuff that other people rely on but they're you know putting some feelers out there to the major ones to sort of give them a heads up instead of just being like surprise Instead of what happened when they did the guild events, or not guild events, uh, yeah. guild events. Yeah. So I don't think there's really anything else to talk about in the trading post. There's a brief mention that people were a little bit up in arms that there was a get more gold button, but during points of interest, they showed, they clicked on it, and it just takes you right to the currency exchange. It's not a shortcut to buy gold directly or anything. It just takes you to the convert gems to gold or vice versa screen. Um, so it's just a slightly faster way to get there based on where you currently are navigating from. So a, a non, non-drama drama, as it were. I was drama llamas. Yeah, I was going to say drama llamas. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's pretty much all for the rotating cog stuff. So I guess, uh, it's time to move a little bit into the speculator's corner. I heard quaggins are going to become a playable race. Ugh. I heard there'll be a use for Imperial Fragments. I heard that Zomaros doesn't even like Precursors. I heard that the legendary armor is going to be made out of glint. I heard Queen Jenna doesn't wear shoes because she's allergic to people with souls. I heard that some Silvari athletes use Miracle Grow. That's just speculation. This is your captain speaking. Tinfoil hats must be worn at all times during armchair development. So it came out the other day that 
ANAT has contracted, or has <laughs> contracted, that sounds like they got a disease, uh, has, <laughs> has uh, created a contract with an advanced AI designer for quote-unquote new projects. Also, it's <laughs> yeah, we our our show notes had a little explosion of of jokes about uh, new AI confirmed, heroes confirmed, expansion confirmed. <laughs> but uh, there's not really much we can really read into from it, other than that they're working on AI, and that's been a frequent user complaint. So hopefully, we see some returns on on this stuff. Anybody have anything they want to say about it? <laughs> Well, maybe those rangers will get better pet AI like we were talking about in the pre-show. Maybe. Here's the thing. If they, like, give necromancer minions and ranger pets, like, quote, good AI, they will become completely overpowered. Well, will they? Because, I mean, if I remember right, all of the, uh, I mean, since the game has come out, they've just been buffing the health and armor of minions and ranger pets because exactly. they're so bad. So they'll, they'll obviously bring that down if they get smarter, I would imagine. Not immediately, probably. Yeah, but it's just like any um, nerfing or buffing, you know, it balances. So it'll balance out eventually. So immediately, I, yes. Minions I feel like everybody would rather have smart minions and then have them nerfed a little bit to the point where they're smart but vulnerable rather than having meat sacks that are dumb. I would yeah, agree with that. I, I agree. The thing is, because their balance changes take months to actually happen, that's a long time for the meta to settle and be stuck with oh everyone's using AI that's overpowered yeah maybe so what you're saying is um, the necromancers in our guild cough Shungaku will get rich from running dungeons and then the market will be in chaos and just because they didn't balance the but meta. there's nothing valuable from dungeons other than pure gold no he'd be running dungeons and you know paying people or people would be paying him to run them for him I I was mostly talking about like I was gonna say it's really only gonna matter PvP because in PvE the main problem is always that a lot of them still can get one shot by things and even if they're smart that's still gonna happen. Not if they can dodge. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, dodging AI or pet AI. That'd be real hard though to to make that work right. Does this mean that phantasms are gonna get smarter too? I don't think so because they're not true AI. They just have an auto attack that they jump at their target or. They have follow AI and their timing, and there was actually a problem with the warden for a really long time. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they do have some, but the they're not meant to be constantly moving to keep up with their targets, like by their by their design. They're meant to sort of stand there and then jump towards them, or stand in place and shoot, or things like that. And so I don't, and they always go at the target that they were targeted when the skill is used. So. The stuff that the AI would theoretically be doing, like target priority and target switching, doesn't apply to Mesmer illusions by design. I, I really want to see, like, Mesmer clones become, like, and I'm going to reference another game here, uh, the Warframe. Uh, there's a particular Warframe in that game called Mirage, and she has an ability called Hall of Mirrors, and it creates, like, these four clones that, like, go around her, and it's just, uh, I want Mesmer's to have an ability like that, because that would be amazing. Yeah, speaking on an unrelated to AI note, it would be kind of cool if there was, like, a utility skill that was, uh, that refocused the targets of your, of your phantasms, or, and, or clones to, yes. a, to a new target, and that's all that it did. 
um, just would be sort of interesting. But that has nothing to do with AI, so... It'd have to be clones, though, because I'm pretty sure don't phantasms break once their target has been they destroyed. They both do. So do clones. Oh, clones do But that would well. be the like, point, so is that it would change the target to a new player or a new enemy, so it would be whenever that... If you swap it before the other one dies, right. it won't go away. In theory. That's it. That seems maybe overpowered, but I don't know. Depends on the cooldown and other things, but, you know. It's not like Phantasm and and Illusion cooldowns are super long anyway, and they already have a skill that recharges all of them, which is a healing skill, so it's not, you know, it's it's not unheard of to be able to have Phantasms on a guy that's almost dead and then immediately have them all on somebody else already, so. Anyway, that's sort of a sidetrack, but... uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about AI, and with regard to PvP, there was also a post on the uh, Spanish, or is I don't know if it was on the Spanish section of the forums, but they were speaking in Spanish about build templates uh, and some other things. I feel like, Evie, yep. you're the most qualified to talk about this since you're the PvP person. It, well, I also know Spanish. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that. You know, didn't want to assume. I don't know if you actually know Spanish. I've said so before. Anyways, um, the main thing out of that was the they're working on build templates. There's no absolute time frame on it, obviously. And even if they had one, I thought they would give it. When it's ready, maybe. (laughs) Not soon. Yeah. Yeah. TM, 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 TM. Is it underneath the uh, pre-graphic cursor? There was no mention of pre-cursor grafting at all. Uh, and, it, and funnily enough, the Spanish community doesn't follow, like, they don't care about pre- precursors for the most part compared to the other communities. It's really weird. Well, I'd rather have uh, build templates as well. I was just wondering if it was, you know, underneath or above or whatever. I would not be surprised to see it, not obviously in this feature pack, but the next one. Build templates, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll often be um, on an Ask a Guildie to link me a template just as a joke, and people who have played Guild Wars 1 understand, and people who haven't are like, what? Yeah, and whenever someone asks me that, I'll send them, like, the two bars and a bunch of, like, string of letters and numbers and then the <laughs> bar. Yeah. I actually remember the codes for some of my builds that I could just type in. Wow, that's impressive. That is impressive. Uh, Something I thought was sort of... I should have thought about phrasing more carefully before I started talking. <laughs> the so you know we've had this controversy in the last couple of weeks about what ArenaNet is and is not telling us, and since then they seem to have become more communicative about specific technical limitations, reasons for choosing to do or not to do things, and such. But also. Mike O'Brien talking about how they only talk about they have this policy of only talking about things that they're ready to ship so I thought this fell into sort of a weird gray area or like an interesting area in relation to their their PR scheme where they've become more open but have been closed and this sounds to me with no definite timeline I don't want build templates to become another precursor crafting so I thought it was interesting that they talked about it does that make sense? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. Looking at the like long term, how they've been open and not open, it's it doesn't surprise me that they're being open right now. Because last year, around this time, they were being open right after being 
closed for quite some time, and it's 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 a cycle. Yeah, I think I I would say that the main difference I would see, and I do see what you're talking about, is that with precursors crafting or scavenger hunting or whatever, they want to make sure that it is um, interesting. Like, there's this factor about whether it's interesting and how playable it is, and I can see how that could be a, a holdup on their on their timetable, where they just, like, can't figure it out. Whereas something like build templates are more of a technical design, where, you know, it, there's, there's much less of a usability concern or a... Um... Build templates aren't going to break the market, but if it's too easy to craft a precursor, it could right. Throw well, things but into they chaos. also don't want precursor crafting to just be, or precursor scavenging hunt to just be like super boring or too easy or anything like that. Whereas build templates are sort of a quality of life thing, similar to how like the trading post overhauls are. So it's it's the type of feature where you don't necessarily have to worry about making build templates interesting. <laughs> you just have to make them function. Um, so I feel like that might give them a little bit more leeway about feeling confident that they can talk about the fact that they're working on it. Um, but I do agree. It is. It sort of does contradict their statement that they don't talk about things until they're absolutely ready, and then them saying, "Well, we're you know we're working on it." <laughs> so definitely, definitely interesting. Sounds like nobody else has anything to say about that. So. I guess it's time to move into our brand new once per year segment, which incidentally is going to mark the one year anniversary of me being on this podcast. And we're going to call it PaxCast because we like saying the word cast and Ryan hates it. So I'm going to give it over to Kate because she's our local cast expert. Uh, hello and welcome to Pax Cast, the cast about Pax within this cast about Pax, casted by a caster who packs to Pax, which is a lie because I have not penned a Pax, but take it I and I will cast it. So, um, anybody who's been listening for the last year knows that, or, well, maybe not knows, but I originally started being on this podcast because I had been to the Guild Wars 2 party last year, which was sort of a big deal in terms of dev talking time and there was first looks at things like Tequaddle and the Super Adventure Box Stage 2 and some of those things and so the cast decided that they wanted to hear all the things that I saw because I was the only person even tangentially connected to Relics that had been there so that was when I started coming on and so this year I figured we might as well just talk a little bit about what happened at PAX this year with regard to Guild Wars 2, which is to say that there kind of wasn't a whole lot. Um, contrasting to last year, last year we had a sort of mixed event and party with some press people, uh, like Matt Visual was there, and he gave his one of his big interviews there that a lot of people really liked, and there were a bunch of devs, and it was in this big hotel conference area, and, you know, it was... I think it went from 1 in the afternoon until... 10 at night, maybe? It was real long. Uh, this year, on the other hand, there was a three-hour party at a very small venue, and there were only, I would guess, maybe 20 devs, and the rest were fans. And then there was, at PAX, the only really sort of major panel was the Future of MMOs, and Colin Johansson was on that panel, and he's been on it several times in the past. Um... But, it, anyway, I guess I'll talk about the panel first a little bit. 
And apologies to listeners, but this is mostly going to be a one-man show for this part since I'm the only one that was there. Everybody's free to ask questions if they'd like. But um, I would say the biggest thing about the MMO panel is that all the questions were really good, which was really surprising. Questions from the audience, that is. Which is really surprising because I don't know if any of you, either hosts or listeners, have ever been to one of these things. But there is always... A, just some boring questions, and B, there's always, like, that guy. Yeah, there's always, like, that guy in, you know, in in quotes that... My favorite question was, this girl was like, oh, hey, when are you updating the char armor? And she was like, and... I suggested this thing on the forums, and you did it, so you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Like those awkward ones, or ones that are obviously, like, poking a hornet's nest, you know, about something that is obviously a controversy, and that they're really obviously not going to talk about, or things like that. And so there were actually none of those, which was kind of miraculous. Um... That's refreshing. Especially for something as big as like the future Yeah, of yeah, it was really it was really enjoyable. There were a lot of really interesting questions. Um I don't think that I don't think that Colin's answer to any of them would be surprising to any people who listen to this show or play the game, because for the most part they were pretty pretty in line with what we know about Guild Wars. Um, you know, there were ones about the future of payment models and, you know, the um Oh gosh. Like, the future of payment models and content development and, you know, th- things like that. There was sort of an interesting one about each panelist's take on the player as a character in the story and their feelings on sort of the different archetypes, like the one in which every player is quote-unquote the big hero that everything revolves around, even though there's millions of players all doing it, versus the type that sort of the character is just a small cog in the bigger works and is not a super important character versus sort of a a hybrid and i thought it was sort of interesting that colin colin sort of pointed out that guild wars sort of does all three of those you know you sort of start as the small cog and um i mean you know to 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 drudge up what everybody always complains about Traherne gets all the credit right you're not you're not the or cormier gets all the credit credit. So did they contrast the personal story versus the uh, season one and two? And right, how they exactly. Changed directions? That, like, so the living story is going for a more hybrid approach where you're sort of now building up the building blocks of becoming the main central character and, you know, your your new group and all those types of things. And that there's... Destiny that she yeah. Grace Eternity. <laughs> um, so I thought that was, that was interesting. Um... There's actually a new MMO coming out where one of the guys on the panel was working on it that is in the Warhammer 40k universe, and it's going to be a skill-based first-person or third-person shooter, I couldn't quite tell from what he was saying, um, that said it took direct inspiration from Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2, and is planning to be buy-to-play, no subscription fee, um, and also sort of doing crazy levels of mega servers in which there is only one server (laughs) like there's no instances so i don't know how that's going to happen but he was talking about how they had acquired a like swedish company with super intense networking um technology well if you want super intense networking at least (laughs) you went to the right place so is this the spiritual prequel to uh (laughs) guild wars 3 charmageddon yeah, which is a first-person confirmed. Computer. Absolutely. Yeah, Guild Wars three confirmed. Confirmed. Um, Charzukas, you know, flamethrowers. Yeah, I mean, we've already got all the important elements. 
they finally right. made it where thieves only use dual wielding pistols. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so was this just a panel, or afterwards, were the people mingle? Um, did you get any chance to get yeah, some one-on-one so it was conversation? Just a panel, there wasn't work? really any mingling afterwards, but the guy that was working on the Warhammer 40k one actually went to the Guild Wars party because it was combined Guild Wars and MMORPG.com. And so I actually talked to him a little bit more at that party, which was actually pretty fun. Um, but I'll talk about that, I guess, when I sort of get into the party. Uh, otherwise, there wasn't too much. Also, I wanted to point out, I think Guild Wars fans will appreciate this slash sort of facepalm. At one point, the Wildstar guy uh, uttered the actual phrase, putting out an expansion's worth of content, which some of the audience members sort of gave each other the look. TM. Was there an audible groan? Not audible, but it was it was barely hidden by a lot okay. of the audience, which... Uh... <laughs> and it's kind of funny, actually, because while Wildstar right. hasn't failed by any means, it is kind of in its throes. And funnily enough, since, like, Wildstar, I have not heard of any MMOs that are planning on going with a subscription model now. Like, all yeah. of them have changed. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I feel like... I think there's going to be... I think there's still going to be ones that try and chase after that model. I just think that the field is definitely broadening out a lot more. Um, I, I really think that finally the executives and quote whatever, those types, are catching on that people are not going to pay subscriptions for MMOs if they want to directly compete yeah. with WoW. And well, and a, a really interesting more. point that got brought up in uh, specifically in regard to payment models, I sort of brushed past that, but um, you know, pretty much all of the devs up there were nodding when, and I don't remember who was saying it, but one of them was saying it is increasingly clear that you need to have your payment model in mind from the get-go because it really does influence a lot of things in terms of how you structure your content and how you structure your rewards and games that seem like they just sort of flipped the switch immediately from pay to play to free to play frequently had a really rocky transition, but there were a couple examples that they gave of ones that like took the time and they said, all right, we're going to transition to free to play and then sort of worked out systems of how they were going to actually change things because just, I mean, just simply put the, you know, the models are different and they want you to pay for different things. And if you're not structured to have people paying for those things, then it's, you know, it's just not going to work. And so you really need to like have that in mind when you're building the game is how, how do we want to sell this game and how do we want to make money and then design a game that is built around those systems in a fun and not scumbaggy feeling way. Um, which I thought was, you know, a really good point, but I, I will say this, and this yeah. this goes for both the party and the MMO panel. Um, we definitely are seeing some of the strain from some of their aforementioned PR issues. In that, it seems like there is, it seems like there is sort of a conflict within ArenaNet about how much they want to share information, and I feel like perhaps Martin's departure was related to that, him being on one side or the other, and. Even Colin Johansson was visibly grinding his teeth at certain parts, not because a question was uncomfortable or awkward, but because it was obvious that he wanted to say so much more. And, you know, he, he actually said, like, I can't I, I can't say anymore or I will lose my job. 
and it was just like yeah yeah i mean for somebody wow, that high up to be like you know sort of touting the party line but also like it seemed clear that he was he really wanted to talk about some things which you know maybe i'm just reading into it but it gives me some hope that we're going to get something sizably big because it wasn't in regard to things like the feature patch it was just like the future in general and yeah i can understand that because i met him Mm -hmm. briefly when i was at gamescom before release and he's extremely, yeah. an extremely amiable, very talkative, polite person. And yeah, he want, he seems to have, give that aura of wanting to express things and talk to the fans and um, create with yeah. them in a way. Yeah. So it was, it was very interesting, sort of just sort of reading his body language, you know, when he was when he was talking about things and just sort of like could you could tell that he he was really working hard to not you know not spill the beans on something that we don't know about. So, um, you know. Maybe I'm being optimistic, but it seems like it was ready enough that he felt like, you know, like that he really wanted to talk about it. But anyway, uh, so I guess that pretty much covers the MMO panel. And then the party was at the same... I don't remember if we talked about this, but two years ago... uh, I I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast, but two years ago, it was held at a nightclub. And the line was so big to get into the nightclub that it went outside the nightclub, was about three or four people wide, wrapped all the way around the top floor of the mall, and then had to double back and wrap around itself again. And there were so many people that the fire marshals had to come and kick everybody out. And so this year, it was at the in the same mall, on the same floor, just two establishments down um, at a restaurant. And so... <laughs> Uh, fortunately, we didn't have those line problems this year, but there was quite a line, and we showed up, myself and Opt, and I think a couple other people showed up around that time, showed up about four hours early so that we could make sure that we got in, and there were only two people in front of us who had arrived at the same time, or who had arrived an hour before that, and there was actually a nice little line, you know, with the turnstile things put out in front of the restaurant. And we found out that the restaurant was completely unaware or unprepared that there was going to even be a line until the first couple people had shown up and said, so, uh, where do we get in line? And they had to, like, explain that several years ago, you know, this incident happened with all these people. And you could, like, some of the managers were like, oh, my God. So the staff are just horrified at this point. Yeah, and so so the managers were like, oh, my God, I remember that. What? Oh, that's not good. And so they, like, brought out a line, and I think they custom-made a little Guild Wars 2 like after party wait or line starts here sign on their computer um because they just like totally did not understand that it wasn't simply a reservation for a room it was going to be a thing and not everybody got in or at least maybe maybe they got in by the end but the line was definitely longer than they had space in the venue for uh so anyway we sat at the front of the line and you know played card games until the line was ready and it's kind of funny if you if you've been to these things several times it's almost always the same few people in the front of the line so there's like people that i know exclusively from waiting in line for guild wars over the past couple years yeah um so anyway that was fun there's not much to talk about there other than uh you know we did it and talked to talked to ruby and some of the other community people while they were setting stuff up and anyway but the inside of the venue was extremely small and uh it was basically just like 
the size of two living rooms. I guess what you would imagine a standard living room to be. And they were trying to fit 150 people in there. It, yeah, it was real crowded. Um, oh, <laughs> I bet y'all got real friendly. Yeah, pretty friendly. Um, and then there were raffles, which there always are. And then it got real, real packed in as everybody crowded around the raffle. But um, yeah, there were um, not nearly as many devs there that were sort of the public presence type devs. Colin Johansson did show up after a little while. Um, the community team were there, and there were some QA people there. But... Um, I feel like a lot of the names that a lot of people would recognize from ArenaNet were not there, whereas last year there were quite a few, and I think that was largely a venue limitation this time. And there weren't any, um, you know, there weren't any previews, there weren't any announcements, anything like that. It was a pretty low-key party this year compared to some of the years past, um, which you know is fine, I guess. It's it is what it is. Like, they didn't have any announcement, and having an announcement at a party in a restaurant is, you know, probably not something that you would expect. Um, so, yeah. And then I, I, as I said before, I talked to the guy that was doing the Warhammer thing, and it was really fun, you know, talking to him about ju- just general design things, I guess. Um, and, you know, that he, you know, that he played Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2, and, but he hadn't played a ton of Guild Wars 2, and so we were sort of talking about you know things like the mega servers and you know him him talking about his server tech and how they're still very much in development and that they're at the state where they're totally fine with people talking to them and like you know giving feedback in their sort of like early early pre-alpha phase about you know what things are interesting or what things are working what things aren't working um so anyway cool thing i don't know if anybody's into warhammer on this podcast or listening but so on the note of mega servers and how uh-huh. I know a little bit about how maybe the network inside, but I don't have very much coding experience. And now is mega servers anything like now? I don't know if this is going into WoW territory because when uh, I think it was Frozen Throne or when you know the Arthas expansion came out and you could be a Death Knight. That's the little bit that I played um, World of Warcraft, and I was impressed at the phasing they did, where you'd be walking across a field and walking back, and you didn't notice the change, but you were obviously on a different server. Things were changing, and it was a, a zone where. I don't know if zone's the right word. Zone where you could uh, be with other players. And I thought that was really neat. And so that was, you know, a while ago. And to me, that seems similar to mega servers. And to wonder where they have gone since then, you know, and what can they, they can do now. And are they, I mean, do you get any insight into what more they can do? Beyond mm, I mean, what I think those concepts are actually kind of different right in terms of mega servers versus phasing. Um, I think the most, and it's not really mega servers for the 40K thing, it doesn't sound like, because mega servers are a series of instanced copies of the server if that makes sense and you're able to sort of freely move between them and it sort of dynamically creates them based on how many people are there and so you don't have a quote-unquote server identity for your world state anymore because it's just sort of sorting people into instances that are indistinguishable from one another um which is in itself pretty cool tech Whereas this, I it's I feel like it's more akin to Planetside, where there's a big server and it's a really big map and everybody is just on it, but they have different maps based on your region, you know, so there's like NA maps and EU maps and, you know, I don't know, probably Asia maps or whatever. And so I don't know if they're planning on having different servers, but it didn't sound like they were. It sounded like they were planning on only having one server. Um which is 
like I can't even conceive of the networking to make that work well in a skill based game, as in, you know, like shooters are yeah. skill based, not stats based, as it were. Um yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. It's gonna be really cool. But I mean, you know, like you said, they acquired a like a Swedish company that or I think it was Swedish or Swiss. I don't know. Somewhere over there. Um for their networking technology. So, you know, maybe they've got some super top of the line stuff and it's it's at least interesting and you know the buy to play model is one that's very appealing to me because if i don't like it you know i only paid for a single player game essentially well if that wraps up uh pax cast time to move into cast cast the real cast kate <laughs> kate i got this hello and welcome to cast cast the podcast within the podcast the cast by the cast by the podcast and the style cast of other podcasts i almost didn't have this uh i don't have much to talk about this week there's a really if you guys follow me on Twitter or know me at all, you know I like cats. There's a cat video this week. Guild Wars 2 related, unused char intro. I got the links for you. Oh, speaking of speaking very of cats funny. and cast cast, um, for those of you who didn't watch Points of Interest, yes. hate, <clears throat> um, they were in a dev server and there were a million cat mini uh, pets yeah. and then a giant cat that was like wandering around during the live stream. And they were like, their characters were like the size of the cat's foot. So it was just like wandering oh around God. the screen. And then they were asking chat for names for the giant cat. Okay, well, I'm going to have to go back and watch the uh, video of that. Also, I realized that if you, uh, cast cast is an anagram for cats cats. So um, that is some information <laughs> you can you can, do, you can go about your day oh, with. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, anyway, well, I think that's about it, unless there's anything else anybody wants to talk about. I think oh, you right. Wheel of Morality. Wheel of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn, Evie. Country fried and chicken fried are not the same thing. Would you care to elaborate? Because I found that fascinating. This is an insight into pre-show, by the way. We were talking about country or chicken fried food. In this case, Some of us were bacon. educated. I think all of us, except for Evie. <laughs> Okay, so chicken is fried a certain way, and you can fry, like, other things the way you fry chicken, but you can't fry chicken the way you fry other things, so chicken fried and country fried are two different things. So chicken and other things are the squares and rectangles of food? And in Guild Wars terms, that'd be poultry, which is most often raptor, in my experience. Chickens are and raptors. That you should also be selling on yeah. the trading post because eight silver for a piece of poultry meat. I well, I wish I could like digitize the chickens in my backyard. <laughs> you should watch. I'm Tron. sorry, that's a really funny statement. And with that, I think we're gonna sign out. Ah, <laughs> uh, you can reach us if you listen to our bumper. It will tell you all of those things. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Relics of War signing out. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. 
Last, we always love the comments. So if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 